Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are here live on the Fantastic Universes Podcast Network for something a little special, the first in a new series of Wayward Rewatch. Me and my dear friend Faye, under her suggestion, are going to take a trip down memory lane through the backwards and side streets of USA with the Winchester Brothers, recapping Supernatural, the TV mega omnibus thing from the very beginning. And... I'm really happy to get started with this with this with little old you. This was your grand idea. How where did this come about actually? Um so basically I've been thinking about rewatching Supernatural for a while. Uh but I've done that so many times in my life. I figured I wanted to do something a little bit more interesting with it. So I was like, "Hey, why don't I ask if we could do a podcast on the Fantastic Universe site because I knew you guys were starting one." Um and I was sitting on that idea for a couple of weeks and I kept trying to think up a name for this uh, lovely thing that we're doing now and for the life of me I could not think of anything and the minute that I text you hey maybe we could do this uh, but I can't think of a name and you replied instantly with Wayward Rewatch I wanted to A slap you B hug you um, and C get down to doing it so well that's just how we do things as it is yeah I know The perks of being my oldest friend, the ones we've survived encounters with bad friends with, but they they are neither here nor there. We are here to talk about our love for our friends, the brothers Sam and Dean Winchester, from, I think, the most optimal place to begin, the beginning. Yes. Series one, back when they were young and, well, still very pretty, but... What do you mean they're not pretty now? They're much they're much more rugged now, I feel. That's the way I've described them. At least. Oh, okay. But, I'll let you off then. <laughs> yeah, but, but like they were frizzy back then. I know, I remember lending you season two, I think it was, on the DVD covers, and uh, and you went, ooh, they look pretty on the cover, and I was like, mm, they always look pretty, but okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, yep, fine. Um, yeah, so how did you feel revisiting season one? Season one, like, and I'm, my brain's still fresh off of whichever double-digit season I've left it because I'm a billion years behind. Mm, same. Season one was when they were quote-unquote taking things more seriously yes. as they were the gritty pulp horror coming off of the same sort of genre as Buffy and Angel. They were trying to m- enter that sort of market as just being really like home home roots, two brothers in a car, killing monsters looking for their father. Yes. But, I agree. But the show has evolved so much since this origin. Oh my gosh. So, it has evolved to, to quite an exponential uh, situation that we have today. Um, but going back to season one was... Oh, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are so many different things I forgot happened. Me too. So many good quotes and little like bits between the brothers. I really, really enjoyed seeing their relationship build, um, and it was just, it was just a nice, fun little little road trip. I think. Yeah. Back then, it felt a lot like a road trip. Two brothers trying to get their experiences, like young up and coming hunters, looking for good old dad. Good old, yeah. We're gonna we, get into that one later. We're gonna get into that a lot. I know you have very strong feelings about John Winchester. But until then, Ugh. why don't we begin at the beginning? Because uh, episode one, the pilot, mm. like as a piece of television, it ruined me for a lot of other shows. Because <laughs> no, 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 I'm so grateful to this because that means I've been able to sit through an episode one or something and be like, boring. Next, yeah, I've done that with so many other shows because the opening scene to this piece of television got me 
by my nerves immediately. Uh-huh. Just like young family, mum on the ceiling, fire and death. How do you feel now? Okay. And then they just straight jump. And then they just straight jump twenty plus years to one of the, to the little baby, just like living his life in college, setting aside all those monsters' life, trying to be normal. And then the the much littler brother comes in and says, "Hey, Dad's missing. Pick up the pick up the salt salt filled shotguns. We gotta do this." Yeah. Yeah. So. Rewatching episode one, uh, and you start out with such a nice, you know, nuclear family, mm. two kids, mum, dads, cute stuff, and then eerie music starts to play, mm. lights start to flicker, you know, guy in a trench coat stands over the crib. Bright yellow eyes. I'm Which, a... no, excuse me, we don't get to see that. We don't? No. Was that? Oh, dang. That's episode 22. You're jumping way ahead of yourself, Sam. Yes. Way ahead of yourself. Ah, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, random guy standing over the crib, and uh, and then, you know, suddenly death, fire, explosions, dead mum. Anyone sitting through that piece of television that isn't invested immediately is high or dead inside. From, to me, at least. Okay, well, you need to have a word with uh, someone I'm related to then. Oh, I have to have a word with a couple of my friends as well. Oh, cool. Um... We have notes here in front of us. Yes, we do. Uh, I know you have a few talking points. Like, I've very nicely covered the uh, feeling that, sure, this opening is some of the strongest in television, and that's been roping me in ever since. Mm-hmm. But once they, like, start to get invested and we see that the brothers are, like, grown men, live the life, saving people, hunting things, but that comes later. And... Sam's pulled back in. We catch up with one of my own personal favourite myths of the woman in white, La Llorona, which is somehow in cinemas these days. Yeah, I know. When I heard that um, there was a woman in white film coming out, I was like, oh, okay. But doing such a, like, niche myth for episode one just shows, like, the broader the scope that they have for their mythology, that they're going to dip into... Oh, like God, so yeah. much stuff from across the world straight here from season one they're not going to do something like really recognisable like a vampire or a werewolf or something yeah uh, I have said countless times in, in my notes that I'm so impressed with the mythology behind the creatures and how much the boys already seem to know about them yeah like cool. immediately as soon as Sam walks into his dad's uh, room in the motel looks at like three things on the wall and he turns around and he was like oh it's a woman in white yeah. and I'm like and what is one of those when it's at home they do make a good example of just like doing the whole bringing the audience in and just being like the, the talk with I forget the dude's name the old the old man who in the junkyard he explains the, the myth in a slow enough of a ways to be able to like bring the audience in and just the quality of the acting of, of effectively a big character from like him owning up to the crimes as the why the woman in white's haunting this oh the husband yeah, yeah the right. husband you were like guy in a junkyard and I was like again you're ahead of yourself Bobby doesn't come in for it no, later. no 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 not that old guy in a junkyard we love him too much <laughs> I was like what guy in a junkyard yeah yeah yeah, yeah the husband yeah. the husband hmm. um me forget Bobby's name that's offensive <laughs> no I know I was like how dare you <laughs> No, I 
I agree. The first episode going straight for the women in white, I think, was a very, very good starting point. Um, it showed you how much they were going to do, how many monsters they were going to have, how many different mythologies and different backgrounds and stuff they were going to have, and how many intricate ways of killing things oh, yeah. we were going to end up finding out about. Um, the only thing in episode one that slightly annoyed me... Oh, yeah was it actually came from one of the best one of the best quotes from episode one. Not jerk bitch. No 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 not jerk bitch and not um You want anything about you this real? My boobs. Yeah, no not that either. There was some crackers in, in episode one. Um no the uh oh my god the driver picks the music shotgun shuts his cake that quote um, because Sammy's ragging on Dean about having a cassette tape player still in the car instead yeah. of upgrading to CDs. Um, and he picks out a tape and he's like, really, Dean? Metallica? Yeah, he, like, it says, says, like, so many great bands like Motorhead as well. Oh, yeah, God. Um, but Dean then goes, he says the classic Probably. line. Yeah. Um, and then he puts that Metallica tape in the cassette player. But Metallica doesn't play. Nope. It's back in black by ACDC. And I immediately lost my shit, because I'd never picked up on that before. How did not not spot that either? That's really bad. That I was... Because it's so clearly... A says on the tape that it's Metallica. Sammy says it's Metallica. It goes in, and it becomes ACDC. And I was like, damn, you have a magical cassette player? Or, like... They couldn't get the rights? (laughs) Double or... These were all, like... These weren't official. Were these official tapes or these ones? These ones that Dean's made. Dean had made, right? Because they were oh, all yeah. like, sharpened yeah. on. Maybe he just like scribbled on it wrong. Or maybe he put the wrong tape back in the tape box. Yeah, because remember he the line was driver picks his music, shotgun starts his coke and he takes a tape from Sam's hand and puts it back in the box. No, no, no. He takes the Metallica tape from Sam and puts it in the cassette that's, player. That's quite bad. Yeah, that's, I know. That's, that's why bad. I picked up on it. Um, mm. That's the only thing that got me. Yeah. Uh, in that episode but the rest of it was the rest of it was class even right down to the ending with the narrative circularity of it all because Sam does not shut up about oh I've got to get back gotta got do my test on Monday gotta be there yeah. for Monday back to the university it's a full ride it's a full ride and Dean's yeah. like shut up sure whatever he goes he goes back home everything's fine oh no another pretty blonde woman's on the ceiling being set on fire oh what a damn shame I thought she was going to be around longer like, when I watched this with my family, they were not prepared for that ending. They were expecting Sam to be able to just dip in and out. But this was, this was the kick in the pants that Sam needed to be back in the life, basically, forever. Yes. Really nice, convenient swooping in of Dean, though. But, like, we'll forgive that. We can super, we can <laughs> yeah. super forgive that. I, I can forgive anything. That, well, I can forgive most things that Dean does. Can we forgive... Yeah, we can forgive Dean pretty much just about anything. Yep. After the boys settled themselves down, got back in the car, they were able to find John's Hunter Bible in the police station. One of the last few bits of evidence that was recovered from his hotel room of creepiness, which gave them the coordinates to go to where they fought their monster in episode two. Yes. Uh, Episode two entitled Windigo. Um, Or Windigo. However you would prefer to pronounce it. I've heard it said both ways. I've heard it, heard it said both ways in Supernatural. Because yes. way, way back in the future in uh, Season 6, the demon equivalent of Bobby, who gets killed really easily by Castiel on his dumb mission, 
calls it a Wendigo, even though through this whole episode they call it Wendigo, even though in Grimm they call it a Wendigo. It's, it's weird. And at Charmed they call it a Wendigo. Yeah. There are several connotations, but you know what, we're just going to go with that monster thing that you can light up. As if you had no choice. <laughs> even if you cannot hear my voice, I'll be right beside you, dear. Okay. Um... So it's an absolute classic start to this episode. Yeah. You go in, you see the the well, you don't see the monster, but you see the victim kind of you yeah. know being attacked, seeing the problem, and then you know the title sh- 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 supernatural comes on the screen. Yep. Um, and then it goes into the boys. That has been like the formula, unbroken-ish for years now. Ooh, there was a broken episode in season one actually. Yeah, I mean, like, you can't get it all the way through, but, like, that is, like, what most people assume is, like, the formula for that episode yeah, going through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very set in stone at this point. You know, you see the problem, uh, you see what the boys are going to be facing for the rest of the episode, and then yeah, you go see the boys in the car, in, in Baby. And um, it's just such a pinnacle point of the show. Yeah. Like, for a new new show, especially in season one, where episode one is very clearly a pilot, episode two's a lot more important than people think, because yes. if they can't stick the landing with the... Especially the scope of the episode one that they did, because, like, setting up this huge mythology of, like, the boys, and this world of monsters, mm. and then that dramatic beginning and ending, if they didn't set up the fact that, like, these are two guys doing this thing for these reasons they wouldn't have been able to make it. So that little conversation they had in the woods with the survivors as they all fell asleep and they were just looking over this book, this reason. Maybe your dad wanted to pick up where he left off saving people, hunting things, the family business. I just got to find dad. That whole conversation set the tone for the rest of the season because that is their mission. Yeah, absolutely. But the way that Sam's like, I just want to find dad, I just want to find dad. And Dean's like, yeah, well, we're going to find him. But between here and there, we're going to kill every single evil son of a bitch that exists. And I'm like, see, that's the right way of thinking about it. Yeah, because that's like a more realistic goal and it's something to like occupy your hands while you're doing something possibly fruitless because for as far as they know, their dad is either possibly dead or so skilled and tooled up that if he doesn't want to be found, he won't be found. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, the man has been doing this for years. He can drop off the grid pretty freaking easy at this point. Yeah. Um, so... Apart from the classic start, hmm. one of my next notes is uh, Sammy needs to keep his bitchy little attitude in check. <laughs> because I it so annoyed me how moany he was in this episode. Like, I understand it. Your girlfriend, she's just burned alive on your ceiling like your mother did when you were in a crib at six months old. Boo-hoo. <laughs> Get over yourself. Get right? over the worst possible trauma you <laughs> could ever experience and then upping sticks and leaving the only comfortable life you've ever known behind. Cool. Sure. Yeah, but stop bitching about it. Like, I get it. You're angry. You're, you're heart-aching. But there's no need to be such an annoying little bitch about it. That's why Dean's making such a good case of being so strong. That's why he's given him the motivation of, let's go empty this book of all of Dad's unsolved cases and and kill these monsters. Yes. Not sure why. Because I know it's going to, like, release some anger for you. Yeah. Uh, At the same time, we will still be trying to find Dad. Yeah. So we'll be doing two things at once, but you will get, you know, the instant relief that you need right now. Yeah. Just, like, rub it right up in there. Yeah. Right up in there. Oh, that's Alf. Mm. Um, yeah, and then uh, just 
Dean had a had a few class sarcastic comments like oh, yeah. you know oh honey I don't do shorts no which uh, unfortunately uh, to say you do you, you do really it takes do. it takes a while he has to grow into them yes. I think like your ears um, and then you know the family business they really had no idea what they were starting when they when they when they started out oh let's do the family business yeah that will end up with them just like preventing multiple different kinds of apocalypse and saving the world without anybody really knowing. Yes. Um, apart from them. And they're like, you know what, just for five minutes I'd like the world to stay saved. Yeah. Just, I just want a cup of coffee. You know? Just like, yeah. I'm just, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drink. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch some Asian cartoon porn. <laughs> I'd pretend that the world isn't ending because it is. It. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. Oh, yeah, we can't, like, it's hard at we this point not to not know yeah. what's coming. Yeah. But, like, in terms of, like, us here and now, just the quality of, like, the squat tunnels, the way the episode ends, the, mm. like, the caves and the mines where this creature's living, going through, seeing shadows, seeing glimpses, that was the old horror trope of how to d- direct a scene like that because your imagination fills in what the monster looks like which will always be way scarier than what the monster actually possibly looks like until you eventually see it and it explodes oh well, god yeah I mean it was what 2005 when yeah. they made this the, you know it wasn't yeah. up to scratch to the standards of today no, no, no but it didn't need to be because that's, that's that was just the quality of the direction yeah exactly you got that eerie kind of creepy feeling from the way that they made the episode rather than what the actual monster was and what it looked like. Mm, definitely. Um, the fact that it took its prey and it stored it so it could eat it later and it wouldn't have to come out through winter. You yeah. Know, that, I was like, oh, so you're going to keep him alive for a while and just, like, snack on him later. Yeah, it's pretty grim. Mm-hmm. And it also fits the setting of just the, like, like, an, like a hibernating bear or something in the... In those mountains, in, yeah. the, in the forest. Absolutely. But horrific one. Mm. Um, my, my last note for this episode oh, yeah? was, uh, oh look, we're in Mortal Lader, let's crack some jokes. Uh, that's just a great coping mechanism for anyone. <laughs> that's basically the entirety of, of the, uh, you know, the show. Yeah. Oh, I'm about to be murdered? Cool. Let me get a quick sarcastic comment in. Yeah, because that, that will keep anyone safe in the in the way of things, because if it were any other character, they would probably still get eaten. Oh, yeah. The boys moseyed on down the road to get our first true ghost story in episode three, in Dead on the Water. Yes, they did. Our first ventral spirit came back. Yeah. They're looking back, like, ventral spirits and proper ghost ghost stories made up a lot of the early seasons. Oh, yeah, like, they were the bread and butter. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting, like, this here at the first one, like, again, Supernatural fans know the convention, the, the storytelling arc of, like, oh, it's a ghost. Where's it buried? Set it on fire. Did it work? No. Excuse Where's you, you missed an integral part there. You don't just set it on fire. You, 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 you like, a little bit of salt as well. Yes, thank you. You salt and burn the bones. Yeah. Carry on. Did it work? No. Where's the cursed object? Here? Do that? All right, cool. Or the even worst part of, oh no, they were cremated. Oh, okay, so now we have to find the cursed object because they've been burnt for us. Yes. It's interesting that, like, right here, first time around, we didn't get any of them. No. We got the, the oh, the bo- the bodies at the bottom of the lake, there's no way to get it back. Yeah, and they actually, unfortunately, uh, not to the boy's yeah. choice, the ghost got what he wanted. Satisfied his unfinished business. At the end. Something that's like, 
has it been done since? In like, I'm not entirely sure it has. I think they've always, you know, fixed the problem as it were. You know, killing the ghost. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure that the the ghost has ever gotten what they wanted and buggered off before. I don't think so either. No, in terms of like actual monsters getting what they wanted, we'll actually come back to that later in the season. Mm. But like, yeah, in terms of the ghost getting what they want. Maybe the uh, the episode later on with Terry Hasher where she was just a ghost cursed to relive the moment she died and Sam and Dean just interacted with her. Not Terry Hasher. Oh, fuck yeah. The, 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 you know. What's her name? She was Lucifer's mum. And the, the Cylon. No? Lucifer from Supernatural? Lucifer from, from Lucifer. Oh, uh, the blonde. Yeah. You, I know who you're talking about. I don't know the lady's name. Me neither. It's really bad. Someone's going to shout at us on the internet. <clears throat> do you remember that episode? Yes, I do. That didn't sound very convincing. No, it didn't. Cool. Um, no, but that's okay because we're going to rewatch it. We'll get to it eventually. Uh, well, yeah. In, in answer to that, we'll see if, if something like that does ever happen again um, in the future episodes that we will be watching. Yeah. But for now... Uh, apart from that one random episode that you mentioned that I can't remember currently, I'm not entirely sure it has happened. Yeah. I don't think so either. Well, at least not for ghosts. So that was an interesting choice to start out, you know, oh, here's a ghost story, but at the same time, it's never going to end like this ever again. This is a one-off. Yeah, but it shows... It's actually an interesting turn of events that it shows that the boys didn't actually... They're not necessarily heroes. They're like anti-heroes ish, because the actual act of heroism wasn't really down to them. They came in and they sped up the process of what the ghost was doing because it made the sheriff own up to what he did. Well, no, technically the dam sped up the ghost's plans yeah. of what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, and. But granted, if, if two people come in, start digging around, and then everybody's like, oh, hey, maybe there's a ghost? Yeah. I would definitely be like, oh, cool, so I'm going to murder some more before they salt and burn me. Sure. Yeah, I'm trying to get my unfinished business resolved. Yes. Mm. Um, one of the things I did want to touch on was uh, when they... This was the first one that I picked up on. I don't know if they'd done it on a previous episode or not. Um, was when they said the agent names... Agents Ford and Hamill, and I was like, ah, nice. So it begins. Nice. Yeah, so it begins. The 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 voices behind Star Wars. You'd expect them to just go into like fairly simple routine fake names, but just oh. from just from pop culture. Yeah, from episode one, and it's not something you'd expect from them. Like from Dean, you'd expect them to. You expect Dean to be like, all right, band members. Well, he does most he do, of the does, other times. Yeah, he does a lot of the other times. And I remember really, really late towards like series 9, 10, or 11, they just go, Agent Stark and Banner. Yeah, they do. So some of them are really like, you have to kind of know your band law to understand what agents they're talking about. And some of them, you're like, hold on, those are just... yeah. Those are pop culture references that people should be picking up on. It's super interesting that they went with pop culture references so early. Yeah, like, I know. Despite like the tone that they wanted this to be like decent grit and pulp horror, that they're going with something that like that early. It's just a sign of what's to come, maybe. Mm. 
I think they might have been showing their hand a little bit on that one. That's that. That's a funny way to think about it. And that's, I like to think that's how it was going. Yeah. Yeah. I also like to think they knew exactly what they were doing when they said that. Oh yeah, yeah. like the like Sam and Dina at least. It's like, would you would you reckon Star Wars? Star Wars, cool. Hmm. Um, the this episode for me hmm. starts Dean's. I don't want to say love affair because that would be really creepy with what I'm about to say next. But Dean's emotion with kids. Okay. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can see that because like the whole dead kids thing is always just like hard for the people in the sign of work anyway. But like him caring about innocence was always quite important. Yes. So like. I think Dean connects more to kids than Sam does. Yeah, because yeah, because he's younger and he never really had the childhood because he Sam was got, too busy looking after Sam. Too busy looking after Sam, and Sam was able to get out of that life a lot earlier, and Dean never did. But just the way that you know, in this episode particularly, Lucas latches onto Dean, yeah, rather than to Sam, yeah. And, you know, a few episodes down the line, there are a few more kids involved as well. And Dean is always the one that that talks to them and connects with them more than Sam does. Yeah. Which I always found rather interesting. And I don't know if that's because he took care of Sam and he just knows how to deal with kids in general. Mm-hmm. Um, or because, you know, they wanted that to be a character trait. feel like it's a character trait because of that. I feel like that's a nice bit of realism that would keep someone otherwise quite gruff and quite brash and quite when it gets around to you making the point we talked about before quite strong of a personality shall we say yes. like he, that's like the first redeeming quality of him other than sarcasm because the sarcasm can rub people up the wrong way but like that sort of actual innocence actually mm. that sort of innocence does keep him close and relatable which is really nice yeah okay yeah, that one I did. I did want to want to talk about because I just it's very obviously this is episode three we're talking about. Yeah. So from the early onset, they were like, "Hey, Dean's going to be the one to connect with all of the kids. Sam's going to be the one to be connecting with the older generation." Yeah, because Sam was an older and tenured scholar. Yes. Well, not older, but yeah. Yeah, he's not older. He's just taller. Yeah. Probably because he's been able to grow and wasn't like exercising and stuff. Also, like, it, like it's still a thing that, t- 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 that I touch on in my head. Remember that episode where they talk about, like, way down the line, a couple of series from now, where they talk about uh, the the, ca- the cannibal spirits and even Long Pig? Oh, that's, yeah, that's, it, it, like, so far away. Yeah. But, like, we'll talk about it in detail later, but, like, there's one thing about that whole conversation that still sticks in my mind, and actually we'll save it for when we get around to it, but, like, okay. we'll talk about it on the air. As we're talking about what we can do on the air, we're going to take a brief jaunt with the Phantom Traveller. Ooh. This episode was spicy. So, I completely forgot what order the season came in. Yeah. So whenever I started a new episode, uh, there was always like, oh yeah, this is the one with so-and-so. Yeah. And for me, I was like, oh my god, the plain one. Yeah, the plain one. This and is, that's this all is... I remembered. <laughs> no, this is, this is the plain one, but it's a really important plain one for the like the long ongoing mythology even with this season and with everything else because this is our first demon yes it is um but like an old timey biblical demon like one out there creating chaos and not like the ordered 
dark bureaucrats that they sort of became in the later seasons. Yes. So this one was just... Uh, he... Bo- he boarded planes, and when the pl- flight was 40 minutes in, he would go open the airlock and pl- cause the plane to crash. Yes, but it, he accumulated from the old times where he just used to f- frig up volcanoes. Yeah. Like, and he was like, oh, so there are these things now, and they're planes. Let me just go screw with them instead. Yeah. It's, it, he's just taking one natural disaster to another one. Yeah. But less natural and more, like, like affecting the people of man, which is what demons do. Yeah. Um... But I found it very interesting to watch this first demon episode knowing how they become in the later seasons. Yeah. Because I found it was very, very different to how they end up being. Very, very different. Because there was something, like, even Dean, not even Sam, Dean talking about biblical numerology. Yes. About 40 days, 40 nights, uh, 40 meaning, like, death in the Bible. Yes. That that's something they would... That, would be associated with demons in the way that the demon does this like act of mass violence is just not something that demons would ever do what we know about them they would just sort of like cause a little bit of mischief and somehow leave sulfur everywhere yeah I don't know how that happens <laughs> I hope th- I hope they just sort of like they just shake it off like their shoes and stuff and moving from whatever hell mouths they come through into our world and I hope they didn't just like sort of secrete it see I was thinking that they probably secreted it through the meat bags that they use. Meat bag. I know, that's such a good terminology as well. Meat bag. Um, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm very annoyed. Uh-oh. I love this episode. This is such a fun episode uh, because of the introductions of demons. Because of we get a law behind why Dean drives everywhere because he's absolutely shit scared of flying. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they use Christo. In this one episode <laughs> only, and they never, ever, 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 ever use ever. it again. <laughs> I just would like to murder someone every single time I think about this. It's so dumb. I feel like the actual term Christos only ever said those two times. It's when Sam explains it, and then when Dean says it to reveal it, it's pilot. Yes. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. And it's so annoying. It's super annoying. Because that's such a good weapon in your arsenal to have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, writing-wise, I'm going to excuse it a bit because Demon's got a lot more brazen and a lot more obvious going forward. You might not have needed it, sure. But it's just a thing to have. Yes. But it's just never used again. It's never explained again. It's, It's never talked about again. And it super annoyed me in general yeah that's totally fair and now this it's like it, it's one of those things that as soon as you mention it to anyone else in the family they just go like, ah! like oh my god the Christo thing and I'm like yep yeah see we know yeah we know it's in, it was interesting how the boys were sort of brought in being called up by one of uh, John's contacts Mm. And they give him, and they give them another tidbit of like, oh, here's his current phone number. He's definitely alive, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird that Supernatural then goes on to recast this actor, even though you can't remember where he was from. Yeah, I don't know where he was from. There are a lot. There are a lot of recasts that um, I will probably talk about later because I do have them in my notes. But this one particular one, and you said that they recast him. And I can't remember, remember when Sam took a year off when Dean was in Purgatory. Yes. Remember he met the nice lady, the vet. 
Yeah. Yeah, her, her dad. Oh. Remember he came in that one time and he gave Sam a lot of shit. Everybody gives Sam a lot of shit. That's no, just but, Sam's life. Yeah, but like in a dad's sort of way. Oh. No, not particularly. But I'll I'll remember it when I rewatch it. Yeah, and it'll be like, oh yeah, him. I'm like that guy. Yeah, cool. that guy. Nice. No, um, the fact that in this episode it's the first one where they get all dressed up in suits. Yeah. And Dean's like, oh man, I hate this thing. And I'm like, ah, you grow to love it. You grow to love it, and you grow to wear it a lot, actually. Yeah, in the later seasons, you don't particularly see him in his... Leathers and denim. Yep, and... and uh, No, the, like, there's an evolution. Plaid. The, pl- the, pla- the plaid actually comes in a lot more to from like four or five onwards. Yeah, yeah. But there, there are a few... In this, I think Sam wears more plaid than Dean. Dean's very much, you know, black shirt green overshirt thing leather jacket yeah and um, and the totem which never leaves his side oh the samulet the samulet um yeah but the fact that he was like man I hate this and I was like <laughs> yeah you should buddy you uh you really don't that much trust me no um no uh on the plane yeah where things start get going when they're on the flight to finally catch the yeah, yeah. um and, uh, and Dean's absolutely losing his mind because he doesn't like flying. Yeah. And he starts humming Metallica. Calms me down. And I think that's so precious. Oh, they're so precious. Because we got, in the last episode, him being compassionate towards little kids. Now we're seeing him vulnerable. Yeah. Now we're seeing like his weakness, his one true fear. And Sam's being the strong one. Sam yeah. was the one who actually led the extra complicated exorcism right at the end. And also... I feel like exorcisms got so much easier from from here to the end. Yes, because they recorded Sam saying it and just played it on the recorder. Yeah, that was from like I think season two onwards. When that one time when they were all trapped in the FBI building and they just passed it through the speakers. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sam always seems to be the one you know shouting the Latin words at people, and Dean's always the one with the gun or machete. Yeah. And I think that pretty much sums up the boys quite well. What's the difference between a fire and a wizard? <laughs> yes, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, it, I just find it so interesting that although Dean is losing his mind because he is on a plane, yeah, uh, and he's just completely losing it, he is still like, "I've got to get that that co-pilot. I've got to get him back here. He he's got to get that demon out." Yeah, and he's very on the level still dedicated to the mission I don't think that's something that could ever be taken out of him unless he was possessed or not right or body swapped or all of the things that have happened to him to have got him off of the situation in in the several years of this show oh yeah um, and Sam you know he dives after that book yeah and, and he is laying down in the middle of the aisle when the plane is going down flickering lights turbulence he could have very easily get tra- got trampled by like whatever but he just goes for it because that's the job that's what you got to do but this this is such a difference from two episodes ago when he was being a whiny little bitch you know whiny little bitch because his whole life's been destroyed I okay d- sure I don't care <laughs> wow I just, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Let it out. We're talking. We're talking this through. This is gold. Um, so, but he—he's just so on it in this episode, yeah. and I think we're starting to see, you know, the hunter that he could become. Yeah. Um, 
and that's a really interesting evolution because it hasn't been that much time since his whole life was destroyed as you so keep reminding me yeah because we can fill in as much or as little time as you want for how long it's been between episodes and plus driving time yeah well there was an episode later down the line I don't know if it was I think it was roughly 20 or 21 where they said it's been like nine months since Jess yeah. Died? Oh, yeah. It's probably when he meets Fancy Schmancy Art Lady in New York. Yes. Yes. Um, Sarah. Yes. I believe her name was. Uh, and I was like, so this entire season has happened over the course of, of nine year. months, nine basically. Months, yeah. yeah. About as long as it would actually take if it was on the air. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in, you know, episode two, when his whole life had been disrupted and destroyed and then two episodes later that could only have been like what month and a half maybe Come on, and he's so much stronger as, as a character and he's so much more you know like we gotta kill this demon it's gotta go yeah and then we'll deal with trying to find dad growth and, growth and progression it's quick but it's real I think yeah I would tend to agree after they got off their plane, they uh, had a really rough drink. Yes, they did, probably. They didn't... No, I meant like a Bloody Mary. Oh, I see. Yeah. Sorry. That's cool, that's cool. I was going to go on to say that Jerry um, Jerry was the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his name. Uh, was the only one with any plot relevance, uh, because he was... You know, Dean was like, oh, how did you get my phone number? And Jerry was like, oh, uh, I spoke to your dad. Well, not technically, it was on his voicemail. Yeah. But... You know, and I was like, oh, the only one that was moving, you know, the trying to find my father storyline along. Yeah. Jerry, what a good man. What a good guy. But then again, when they called up John, Sam was sort of out of it being like, oh, called Dean. But I'm looking for that. Okay. I th- that's, the, that's the sort of reaction I got. Mm. I don't know. Sam's a bit of a weird one still to me. Yeah, it takes a bit of a while before he sort of unwraps and sort of gets into himself, yes. I think. yeah. He's still very much, I want to go back to college. I just want to find this thing, kill it, and then go about my normal life. Whereas, Have fun with that. Yeah, you know, later on in the seasons, I think he finally realises that that's not going to happen. No. Unfortunately. No. So, about that rough drink. About that rough drink. I love the fan theory that says that when they were in that... That, pl- that shop and they destroyed all those mirrors that accumulated seven years bad luck is why all the shit happens to them oh my god I literally wrote this down somewhere um something 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 uh I don't know where it is oh everything that happens after this is caused by the bad luck in breaking all of the mirrors that's literally my last note of this episode cause I'm sure someone sat through and did a head count of all the broken mirrors oh god yeah like and I was, t- I was too into it to try and to try and do it myself. Off the top of my head, I would say that there was at least seven. Forty-nine years bad luck. That feels pretty bad. That sounds about right, though. That feels. That also feels pretty bad. I'm super glad you brought that up because oh. I was going to bring that up. I didn't realize that was already a fan theory. Well, of course it is. It's supernatural fandom. Yeah, they're insane, but I love them. Yeah. The um. But yeah, invoking this sort of pulp myth that you always get people with when you're a kid in school don't go go above that do it do it a day but you watch them from behind the door because you're just yeah as well yourself I actually did it when I was in primary school someone dared me to go into the bathroom and say bloody Mary three times into the mirror 
and nothing happened because of course it didn't. I did it. Yeah. The lights flickered. You shut your whole mouth. No, I'm serious. Everyone in the bathroom started freaking out, and I was like, oh, shut up, it just needs a light bulb change. But this is before I watched Supernatural, and now I'm like, hey, um, I'm never saying that in a mirror ever again, so no. help me God. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I, when I was a kid, obviously, I didn't know. I didn't know any better. Um, but now, after watching Supernatural, and I know what happens when lights flicker, um, yeah. I'll be honest, I do tense up. Good to know. I tense. Yeah. Uh, so thinking about that, it always makes me laugh uh, because of my innocence. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, m- maybe she was coming and I just left too early to see her. That's for the best because I remember like the trailer for the Bloody Mary movie, and there was some little kids doing it, and the kids didn't notice the shadow presence in the mirror. Oh God, no. No, no thanks. Absolutely not. No thanks. I did like in this. Um, version of Bloody Mary in this uh, legend that she tried to write out the name of her killer on the mirror which then in turn when she kills someone who's done like a bad deed or a murder um, on the back of their mirror she writes the name of the victim yeah I really enjoyed that little uh, addition to the legend. Yeah, that's just that is something of the show that I really like is like They've taken established things like ghosts and demons and also really obscure stuff like Windigos and Layer Honor, but they've they've expanded on it, but they've also taken their own ownership. Yes. Which is such an important thing to do, and they really take ownership of things later on in the series, the vampires and stuff. Yes. But to be able to put like their own spin on it, like this is how we as like supernatural writers do this is really important and something they conveyed off really well. Mm. Yeah, it was, really, it was a really nice touch. And Unique that they've, they've been able to do that, and they've been able to do that going forward still. Yeah, they have. Uh, a lot of, you know, the legends and stuff from here on out is very much, you know, oh, I, I kind of know that legend, but there's always a supernatural spin on it that you haven't heard before. Yeah. Which I, I do appreciate, because it just adds that so much more to the show. Yeah, definitely. Um, there were a few things I wanted to touch on. Oh, yeah? Uh, I've written an, <laughs> a note here that says, at this point, Jill deserves what she gets, die, you bitch. Um, Jill was one of the best friends who was taking the piss and decided to go and yell Bloody Mary in the mirror three times and I was like well at this point you deserve you deserve to die that's the whole horror movie thing of just like the one person who decides yeah let's go into this darkened basement it's fine yeah right there are a few notes uh, later on throughout the episode uh, throughout the episode as well where I've definitely said you I know you're the victim but you deserve this you deserve to die because you're so dumb at this point yeah I've definitely written that down more than once that's that's this them respecting the canon of like horror movie tropes. Yes. Like some people are just dumb enough that they will get killed by the monster, and it's not okay. But if they didn't, then the monster would never get dealt with by the hunters in the first place. Mm. Um, I've also said Puppy Dog Sam makes his first appearance in this episode. Yeah, that's precious. I know. Yeah, I can't not see. Dean's retelling of Puppy Dog Sam from when the Tracer shows up in series two. I know, I know. But, like, this is actual archetypal OG Puppy Dog Sam. Yes, it is. Perfect. And every time I watch it, I'm, you know, I might say, oh, but my brain's going, yeah. What's your, what's your deal with Sam, man? Come on. I don't know. I didn't like him very much in the first couple of seasons. I grew to, to love him, but I just, me and Dean clicked straight off because yeah. of the sarcastic comments, the jokes. Um, just the sheer badassery of of the man, but with Sam, 
it was very much a kind of a dislike to love kind of relationship. I don't know why. Wow. Most people, I think, connected to Sam more than they did to Dean originally. Because we saw Sam get emotionally torn apart. Oh yeah, I don't care. Yeah, no, I I didn't figure you would. (laughs) Didn't figure you would. No, that's not, you know, oh, big deal. You've been through a traumatic event. Yeah. That, that, to me, that's not a character. Yeah. D- d- uh, I feel like you'd have appreciated him better if he'd have seen that and instead of wallowing for the second and half of the third episode, you'd have been like, if he was on it like Dean straight away, you'd been like, all right, cool, this guy's cool. Yeah, Because exactly. he's had adversity, but he's risen above it. Yes. Yeah. If he just immediately was like, oh, Obviously, this is the exact same thing that happened to my mum. I now understand my dad a bit more, and I'm definitely going to go out and kill this thing instead of, oh my gosh, she's dead. What am I going to do with my life? Like, dude, seriously. Kill fucking monsters. What is wrong with you? Yeah. It's important to be able to, like, see something bad happen to you and do something full of it instead of just swallowing, because that helps no one. Yes. Be more like Dean, kids. Yeah. (laughs) Except in the middle series when he develops his really, really non-subtle alcoholism. Do you think that was the middle series? I think that was from the start. It was... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest with each other. Coping with, like, a semi-neglectful childhood, you know. Let's yeah. get it. Um, so, episode six. Like, this one always stuck out in my head just because of, like, the really weird, gross imagery of it. Like, the way that the shapeshifter does its changes, like, that one scene of not Dean Dean. Just yes. like ripping his skin off. Yes. Messed me up and I love it. Oh really? I found it super interesting where you could see that like puddle of skin on the floor and there was like an actual ear. Yeah. And I was like that's so gross. Cause, like, Good stuff guys. Yeah because like obviously this is a world of like magic and mystery because these monsters and these creatures have to exist in a world like that. Yeah. But that is personally really good scientific explanation of how a creature like this could exist. It grows its skin in specific shapes and colours so quickly that it has to peel the old stuff off like a lizard. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, But again, I don't think we ever see a shapeshifter do that. We see... We never see the whole horrific ripping the skin off thing ever again. No. We see piles of goo, and then when we meet the the alpha, the, the original shapeshifter, it just shimmers. Yes. But it's, it, it's kind of grown out of the need to shed its skin. Yeah, because it's the first one is like so powerful. But like everything else that came after it, it needs to do that. Mm. And it's one of my actual favourite sort of like monsters in a lot of things. Because like in D and D, they do the whole shimmer sort of deal. But they infiltrate and they spy and they're t- a little bit telepathic and they deal with everything and don't quite get as much of that here. But it's still an interesting sort of thing that they have to deal with because you can't trust anyone yeah absolutely like the part where Sammy realises that Dean isn't Dean I was like oh Oh. you caught on to it maybe you're a smart boy after all you're getting good at this whole hunting business yes well done but the the way they started the episode by absolutely subverting the norm of having a victim and then having a monster because the way we saw it as you know, going in for the first time, although this was a rewatch, if you're going in it for the first time, you're seeing this young girl strapped to a chair, bloodied, beaten, Mm. and you're seeing all the FBI people come in, and the person that they're chasing turns out to be Dean. 
yeah, that, that's personally that way of starting like a story. The whole oh, here's the explanation. Let's jump back to what led up to this sort of thing. Mm. Personally, that sort of way of storytelling sort of bothers me because I'm just like write a better ending. You don't have to potentially spoil the ending of this of this story to just like get us invested right at a stronger beginning. But they've done it in a way that is like it still draws us in, and we're just like it works. But I don't, but I don't like that kind of story time. That's just me personally. Okay, I I don't really have an opinion. I'm just I'm you know I'm happy it exists. Oh no, I'm happy that it exists, and it is still a great way to start the story because it really puts us all on tilt. Because we've like this is episode six, so right now a read uh, a viewer is invested. A viewer is sit down on a regular thing. Have a rude scene, watch Supernatural, turn the lights out, be scared. Yes. Because this is one of the few times you're able to actually able to actually do that with the show. Yes. But that's fine. You go in and you see the character you trusted doing something completely reprehensible. You're just like, oh. but see, my thinking was when I first watched this, I was like, oh, that's Dean, but that girl in the chair is obviously a monster. Yeah, that's that's possible like either way it works it's just like oh wow he's caught up with the monster I wonder how he's, how he got to that situation and then it jumps back to the beginning of the story yeah and then you find out no no that was a monster and that poor young girl is just a poor young girl and then that just makes you feel bad about your whole life because yes. you're just like oh shit I put such culpability on the homeless bystander shit yeah I'm like oh no I'm so sorry I'm so sorry um I find it quite funny that this entire time for this episode Sam's like we're helping my friends it's definitely our kind of case and Dean's like no it's not it's really not shut up your face yeah shut shut your whole mouth there's nothing going wrong there's nothing going wrong because again they saw no evidence yeah and it's had the the MO of like a creepy serial killer it's not a monster so they don't have to care but then when Dean finds out it is their kind of case the look on his face he's so excited he's like Sam maybe you were right this is our kind of case. And I was like, wow, you need to calm down. <laughs> Maybe, you know, yeah, don't like, wish everything was a monster. This is like a pathological love of just weirdly killing things. Yeah. By the looks of it. Yeah. And the first use of silver bullets is really nice. Um, so when they put out the APB on Dean. Yeah. And they put out that sketch. Oh wow, yeah, you're you're suddenly right. He's very flim rider at this point, yeah. isn't he? And he he just kind of he's like, Oh, it's not even a good picture of me and my brain immediately started screaming, Flynn Rider! Flynn Rider! So it even started before It started before the whole like smolder, green yeah. eyes, whatever thing that happened in the fandom. Um and to me, in my head I was like, I know that people already see like Jensen Ackles slash Dean as Flynn Rider in the later seasons but this started episode 6 season 1 not even that this was a good while before Tangled ever came out as well oh yeah before Tangled even existed yeah and you know he was like this isn't even a good picture of me and then you've got the Flynn Rider parallel of no one gets my nose right no one gets my nose right and I'm like across the thing because like even in Tangled there's no good mugshot of Flynn Rider yeah and that, that that stuck out to me yeah, that's that's super funny, and it's just another way of just like things crossing over multiple times that no one ever expects. It's really yeah. funny. Yeah, super funny. Supernaturally funny. Supernaturally funny. You had one job, Sam. <laughs> uh, uh, episode seven, Hookman. Another 
strong but unexpected ghost story because the ghost manifests itself like proactively. That's really interesting you say that because a little tidbit of information, I don't oh, yeah. know if people know this or not. Um, this was actually supposed to come after the Wendigo episode. This episode was originally supposed to be episode three. Oh, I didn't know that. But Eric Kripke didn't think it was scary enough. So I don't know about that. He made them reshoot a few scenes and make it scarier and put it just later on in the season. What? Do you know why he decided to do that? Just to make... Because he didn't think it was scary enough to be episode three. Compared to episode three of The, the Strange Shape in the Water. I, I don't know if it was compared to that or if it was just in general he didn't like the way it felt. But it got pushed back. That's really interesting. And the way that you, you started out with, oh, I really like this one. This one was like, you know. Then that just shows that Kripke did a good job. Yeah. It basically showed that he was correct and they may have needed to do a few alterations to make it what it is, what we watch now. I had no idea. The things you learn talking about this stuff through. I know, I know. I love it. I actually, I found that out because I was watching it on uh, Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. They have all like 13 seasons on there. And if you wiggle your mouth during scenes, sometimes it comes up with little like trivia on the side. Oh, that's cool. As like little facts. Uh Uh-huh. And it shows you all of the cast members that are in that scene. Yeah, that's good. So I think I accidentally paused it or something and then I saw that piece of information and I was like, oh, wait, interesting. So yeah, I find it really interesting that they they backed it down like five episodes later, four or five episodes later, because they didn't think it was good enough just yet. Yeah, because... The way it turned out was great. Really good. Really, really good. Because that whole... It's like, it's one of those classic horror sounds, isn't it? Of just like metal rasping yeah. across something. Yeah. Yeah. But the way that also... Uh, <laughs> in the... When Laurie goes into the bedroom... Yeah. And, you know, the hookman is there. Yeah, just right there. Just, like, the sudden appearance of just, like, an imposing figure. That also, like, takes us back to episode one of just that imposing figure leaning over the crib of the baby. Yeah. But at the same time, in in the morning, you know, and on the wall it says, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? That got me. That creeped me out. Because, wake, like, waking up to know that you've been intruded and you had no control over it, that's something that the Chinese Secret Service do to really freak out, like, diplomats. Yes. It's just a, it's just a messed up, old-timey psychological horror thing. And I was it like, works so well. oh, no. Oh, no. Please. That's, that's scary. I don't like it. This is, like, this is, yeah, that's, there's little bits like this that shows the, the early seasons with, like, the true, like, pulp horror that this show started out being, but then evolved away from. Yes. This also in my notes is the very first time I have written down, I love Dean. <laughs> I managed to get to season, uh, season, no, I managed to get to episode seven before I, I had to what brought, confess my love. What brought that reaction out? I'm not entirely sure. I just, at one point, remember going, oh, I love Dean. And then I was like, oh, okay. It, it was episode seven. That's what, that's what set it all off. Yes. Mystery solved. I'm not sure why. What rea- what, I'm not sure what triggered it. No. Yeah. But this was the also the episode of them investigating a ghost story where we get the whole explanation of what the cursed object is and how they deal with it. Yes. That was interesting because the way that they were like, oh yeah, we, we've salted and burned the bones. Oh no, it's not been dealt with. Yeah, this is the first double switch that we've ever got with yes. the ghost story. Yes. That they've been using to great effect ever since. 
I did say that they got research done really quickly in this episode. Normally it takes them longer to figure out who the ghost is. Yeah. But I suppose because they wanted to do that double switch, they figured out who it was quicker than normal so that they can go and salt and burn the bones. Yeah. And then they still had like an extra 20 minutes to be like, uh, why is he still here? Yeah. Oh, cursed objects. Yeah, but then that's also something that the audience going into this fresh wouldn't know about. Yeah. So that would really freak them out. It's just like, oh no, it's something dealt with. How are they going to do it? Uh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Just an extra bit of, like, adrenaline on top of, like, the actual, like, creep factor of the horror of this episode. Yes. Which, which was good call on Cookie's part. It made everything much more effective. Um, so it really got me when Laurie came out of the house and saw Sam sitting down at the curb yeah. watching the house. And she was like, he goes, oh, I was worried about you. And she was like, oh, that's okay. I think it's cute. And in my head, I was like, you've met this man once. It's not cute. It's creepy. No, it's creepy. Why? And she's like, yeah, uh, like, I really like you. And then they kiss. And I'm like, girl, stop. No. Yeah. You got some problems you need to go see someone about. After they dealt with the serial killer ghost. But still. But still. Yeah, it's totally right. It's. I was like, Sam, you are unbelievably lucky in this situation. Because if that girl had, like, an actual brain in her head... (laughs) She would be throwing you out right now. True. 100%. Yeah. And I was like, you like, <laughs> you really do pick them, Sammy. You really do. No, it's because they're all sort of semi-doomed. I'm some, I know someone on Tumblr has done the numbers of how bad it's gone for like Sam's romantic interests. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, if you tally up Sam and Doom's um, like, total head count of girls they've gotten killed it's it's a large number yeah it would be a large number yeah I'm not gonna lie yeah this was our actual first salt and burn yeah uh, in any episode and it didn't work yeah which I found yeah I was expecting this this was a lot sooner than I remembered yes um, but I found it interesting because it's such a staple of the supernatural community like you know you salt the burn you salt and burn the bones. That's yeah. how you get rid of a ghost. Yeah. But the first time they do it, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. Which I, which I was super surprising. I didn't think it would be this soon. But it's nice to see that they're willing to be brave to move past conventions. But there's enough times where salt and, salt and burn does work that we know that it's still a tried and true way for hunters to deal with ghosts. So yes. we don't have to worry too much. But it's a nice thing to keep us viewers sort of roped in. Yes. Now one that I didn't, totally didn't freak you out. I really didn't like this episode. I normally, actually, when I do rewatches, I normally skip this episode, so I haven't seen it in a very long time. Um, but episode eight, Bugs. Um, basically, one of the only things that I, I thoroughly dislike is spiders. Yeah. I am not a fan. No. Uh, they just, they're, they're creepy. I don't like them. That's that's fine. That's a quite a common fear, and it's a natural fear. It's um, a rational fear. There's ba- episodes of Peppa Pig banned in Australia because it teaches kids not to be scared of spiders, and that's something you have to be scared of in Australia. Well, yes, they're large and poisonous over there. Venomous, but I get you. Um, so, watching this episode again, this is one that I haven't seen in a very, very long time, because I normally just skip it. Um, is it just the whole bugs and spiders thing? No, not bugs, just spiders. Is it just the spiders thing that just puts you off with this episode? Yeah. I mean, the rest of it's great. It's fine. I enjoy the cursed land bit. Yeah, I like this episode simply because, much like Dead in the Water, this is one of the times where 
the boys don't solve anything because this curse is so old and so malignant that they can't touch it. Yes. I feel like Sam and Dean now, like right now with the ancient magic of the Menelaus, they could they could sanctify that ground pretty easy. But early day Sam and Dean, they couldn't touch it. Oh god no. Yeah. They were like, hey, it's cursed, um, maybe move out. Yeah, maybe move out. Oh no, we can't move out right now. The 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 literal biblical plague is about to descend on this building site. Let's try and hunker down and survive. Yes. Let's try and survive the night, which is another great old timey horror thing that goes back to like the novels in like gothic times. Yes, like, granted, survive. but I it, sorry that there's this friggin' survive the night thing. Yeah, great, cool, good job. When they get to the house, it's like midnight. Yeah. Yeah, roughly. That's what they say. Sure. Um, they spend about, what, ten minutes in the house and then the sun comes up? I feel like they had to have just, like, jump-cutted and trimmed out a lot of it just because we can't sit through seven hours of television of that. Yeah, no, granted, but at the same time, maybe make sure that, like, you know, fade in on a clock and then fade out when it time changes. That's fair, actually. They could have, like, directed it so that we could see time passing. Because I was like, okay, you've been in this house five minutes, you told me it was midnight, and now the sun's coming up. Mm, what kind of land do you live on? The uh, one where time goes real, real fast. Apparently. Yeah. That's the only nitpicky thing about this episode. That's that's fair. That is a valid nitpick. I can see that. It's not hard to just do, like, time on the clock, or just them being like, how long? They're still coming? Yeah, it's been, it's been hours now. Yeah. Something like that. Just just something that alludes to the fact that time has passed. Yeah, because from where you're sitting, it doesn't look like it. No. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, the boy in this episode, the bug boy, Matt, boy. he yeah. is awfully familiar. Yeah, he comes back. Uh-huh. He comes back pretty quickly. Does he? I thought it was in, like, six or seven. Yeah, yeah, six. Seven. Seven. Uh, it's in one of the later one series. One of the later series. But, they... but he does come back. He does come back, and he's very welcome. Mm-hmm. And is precious, and didn't deserve that fate. Nope. Nope. We enjoy the fact that he came back. Oh, he, he's welcome to have come back. He's not... He could have been the same character, but he wasn't. He could have been. Yeah, the name was wrong, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. Never mind. It would have been, it would have been nice the other way for a bit of continuity, but it's still good. Still yeah. good. Still welcome. Episode 9. Well, this is where real ongoing, like, long-term writing spice comes in, because this is where we get the visions. Yes. This is where Psychic Bitch started. Psychic Bitch. Uh, I, I'm repeating me calling Sammy a bitch, uh, and you know what? I don't care. No, that's fine. Stick with it. It's all you. Uh, Sammy having prophetic dreams, you go, babe. You go, babe. Was my first note. Um, and then, trust me, by the time we get to episode 22, I'm sick of his dreams. They don't, they're not that frequent. No, they're not. But the way that they go about dealing with them. Yeah, they just make, they just take it as like a done-dusted thing because of how effective they were here. Yes. They were like, hey, I know that tree in that one nightmare I had. Dean, we have to go home. And rightly so, Deacon's like, uh, what, I don't particularly want to go here, this is too emotionally charged, can we not be here, please, why are we here? Oh, hi, Ghostbrum. Yeah. He's like, so, why are we in this place of the, oh, poltergeist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a super ghost. Yeah. Um, 
I'm very much in my notes this uh, th for this episode. It's just basically my poor little Dean. Why are you making him do this? Why does he have to be here? Don't make him do this. And why is he also getting berated by this psychic lady? Oh my gosh. So, uh, Miss Missouri Maisley was my favourite character. Like, the fact that she's sort of gone into the canon with Christo of just being, like, criminally underused is just so sad. Oh, I so wish they brought her back. They name-drop her once, like, in the later season. Yes, but we never, unfortunately, see her again. But she had such character about her, and obviously she knew what she was doing because she managed to, like, expel some stuff from the house. Yeah. And, you know, whatnot. Which actually, now that I think about it, based on like where the other monsters sort of come from, there's like the actual witchy witchcraft that she was sort of employing. Yeah, it was so, like hex it was hexbags. Yeah, I was thinking, is this why the boys know how to do hexbags and stuff for witches in the later seasons? Was that Miss Missouri? Because like the first lines in John's sort of hunter bible that he wrote, I went to Missouri and I saw the truth. Yeah, they was they were just taking it super literally, but yeah, I feel like. If they stuck around a little while between here and episode 10, they could have learned all of that stuff. Or, you know, possibly seen their father, who was sitting in Missouri's place when she got back. Yeah. Like, what a dick. You, you're on John's case so bad. Yeah, because his wife isn't there to tell him he's a bastard of a father. Well, yeah, because he went militant after he she was violently killed. Uh, okay, fair enough, but at the same time, maybe mm, don't give Sammy a shotgun when he's telling you he's afraid of the dark? Give him a nightlight. Of course you'd be afraid of the dark, there's lots of terrible things in the dark. Yeah, but if you give him a nightlight, he can see what they are, scream to Dean, or his father, and be like, hey, maybe you should come in and shoot them, because I'm seven. I mean, like, I'm not forgiving or excusing John, but there's few good reactions to that happening to you. Yes, obviously we we saw later on in the episodes what happened to Max, I think his name was Max's dad, yeah. and he just went in the complete opposite direction and just became a drunken bastard of an alcoholic. Yeah. Whereas John Did granted had his issues, you know, he was still around for the boys, I guess. I mean, he really wasn't. He was, but he wasn't, but he was, but he wasn't. We see that in another episode in the season. Yeah. So, this one's very, you know, you get more backstory about the boys, you get more backstory about their life, and, you know, you see their dead mother. Which was out there, but that's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I was definitely like, oh, hey, Mary, what up? Shouldn't you be dead? Question mark. But she saw was, and her ghost powers sort of took ownership of the fire, which I thought was really just, like, cool. Yeah, like, every time you saw her apparition, because you couldn't quite see her yet, mm. it was just the fire that engulfed her. Yeah. And that wasn't a bad thing, that was just how she chose to be seen. Yeah, and the, like, and the overall anxiety through the whole episode of, uh, what, if this poltergeist is our mother, I don't want to have to deal with the ghost of our mother. Yes. Yeah. It's like so strong. Um, and it just... When she, like, turns from the fire into Mary, it absolutely breaks my heart the way the boys look at her. Yeah. Just the shock, the love, the sadness. Because they were both 
tiny when she passed and all they would have ever really heard of was like legends that John told her so they would rightly see her as this like past parent this like amazing figure yeah um, but the the boys did an excellent job in acting in that one I feel like there was very raw emotion seeing Mary yeah definitely and the right way to react I feel I yes. think yeah absolutely um and uh, my very last note for this was John Winchester, you absolute ass. Just for just showing up and not doing a thing. Yeah, just literally sitting around in Missouri's place until she got back. Even Missouri was like, "Boy, I don't understand why you don't just go and talk to your children." Yeah, because Missouri's this the the ray of shun- sunshine that those that family doesn't really deserve. Yes, absolutely. Which is probably why she never comes back because they don't deserve her. But then again, her not being back doesn't mean that she doesn't get randomly, violently killed like all their other allies. Yeah, um, but I feel like that if that she did die, they would probably show that on screen. Because... Yeah, but that, that, exactly. Because she's not on screen, she's safe. Yes. Exactly. And I'm happy about this. So, episode 10. Asylum. Asylum. Uh, it It's a nice one to show that, like, back in Skin, Dean was the one we should have been scared of. But when Sam gets possessed by the overall negative energy of this haunted asylum, we show that the boys are still vulnerable. And, like, this episode, for me, was deeply deserving for just that. Yeah, see, I find that really interesting. I didn't think this was... No, this episode messed me up. I find... My my first uh, comment was, ooh, flickering lights, someone's going to die. Yep. Every and time. That was pretty much, every time I see a flickering light now, I'm like, um, death is coming. Death is coming. Nice uh, supernatural. Yeah, pretty much. But the way that you, you're instantly like, no, nah, this is scary, I don't like this one. No, I love this one. But there's something, like, it's one of those good settings to just have, like, a deeply disturbing story. Mm. And... We've had, like, the brief thing where we couldn't, weren't sure if we could trust Dean because there was a shapeshifter, but we've never actually seen the boys be the source of the tension and the source of the trouble until Sam is... Possessed isn't the correct word, but, like, taken over by the forces in the sun. Mm. It's always, like, a d- tough thing for a viewer to deal with when we see the protagonist, someone we, like, hold up and think are relatively safe. Just not treated that way. <laughs> but, but, like, remember from how we were, series one. Yes, no, sorry. Series one, they were safe. Yeah. <laughs> not, not true anymore. No, no, no. Um, my second note for this is, yo, Sammy, stop flip-flopping. One minute you're yelling because you have no lead, and then when you actually get a message from your father, you think it's really suspicious and you don't want to go to the coordinates. Yeah. Like, pick a lane. Who's a lane? Oh, funny. Uh-huh. Well, if Sam picks her, she's going to die. Exactly. There we go. Um... Yeah, I found that really annoying. This was the first contact, culpable contact that they had got from their father since anything. Yes. Why would you not immediately jump at the chance and be like, yeah, I'll go? Where have they just come from? They're, that They just come from, from what we know, their mother's house. Their house. Yeah. So them seeing that, with that still fresh on their minds, Sam would probably be like, a little freaked out still I think probably that's how I'm trying to justify it okay maybe I mean we don't know how much time has passed you know behind scenes as it were yeah because of that I'm just gonna like roll with the loose-ish assumption that 
home had just happened and they were trying to get over the fact that like they had just seen their ghost mum vanish from existence which would also explain why John was so willing to send them coordinates because he's just heard from Missouri oh they're together and they're doing the whole hunting thing yeah maybe okay I'll be honest I didn't think of it like that I just wanted to rag on Sam some more that's fair I'm trying to play devil's avocado and defend Sam yeah I mean I think someone needs to at this point yep when they were in the bar and they were trying to get that uh, cop to talk to them yeah. and Sam, uh, Dean went over and was like oh blah 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 and then Sam was like how dare you get out of here uh, it reminded me very much of get help from uh, <laughs> Thor and Loki like super reminded me of help help my husband <laughs> but it worked it did work you know they have routines they are basically con men yeah, because that's how they keep themselves in money. Yeah. Uh, you know, doing that old poker and pool hustling and uh, credit card fraud. Um, and the fact that later on we find out they know how to, you know, disable alarms and we've seen them pick locks so many times I can't count. Yeah. But the way that they also are able to manipulate people, I find very interesting. And I'm not sure Sam would have been willing to do this back in the early episodes. Oh, God, no, like, his moral compass is definitely going to skew the more time he spends in the monster hunting world slash with his brother, who doesn't have a moral compass. <laughs> yeah, compasses are just things to get you there. They don't, like, one inside isn't useful. No. But the, uh... The way that they get... You know, they they say one sentence to a victim's friend, and they get their entire backstory. And I'm like, <laughs> Damn! <laughs> That's a talent right there. Yeah. It's something that they've obviously been able to cultivate living in this life. Yes. But you would get those kinds of skills doing whatever you would do. So, like, it's just, like, making them real and good investigators, but not necessarily good men, but that's not what you need to be to do this job. Mm. Yeah, which is that's a nice detail thing. Um, just a quick little side note. Oh, yeah. I was watching this episode and my brother looked over at my uh, my computer screen and he went, oh, is this the Lilith episode? No. And I was like, boy, I'm on season one. Wait, what? No. No, not even a little bit. And what he was like, that? oh, you just, you know, dark catacomb looking kind of place. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> but then again, isn't that just how you talk to him? Well, yes, but at the same time, you know, even, what, that five seasons down the line? Yeah. Uh... They're still using, you know, the whole dark basement catacomb sort of deal, horror yeah. trope, which it's just, you know, such a s- staple of that kind of genre. Yeah, definitely. It's just a good setting. It's yeah. nice and creepy. Yeah. When I was reading around some of Super uh, se- uh, Season 1, mm. uh, I heard some comments from Kripke saying that in his head, the show actually starts now at episode 11. Because before then, it was largely Monster of the Week with a few bits of John Winchester died around here and there. Mm -hmm. But the phone call at the end of episode 10, and then them going into the lead and feeling conflicted about episode 11, that's them actually starting to advance them going towards meeting their father. Because this is also the episode where we meet Meg, and we get the first actual lines of them dealing with, oh, it's definitely a demon that killed your mother, and I want to kill it. Not just exercise it, kill it. Yes. Um, speaking of first lines, the first line from Meg, mm-hmm. uh, which I have written down here, is, you scared the hell out of me. And I was like, wow. Wow. That's a bit on the nose. 
Do you want to show your hand much? <laughs> Say, is she a demon in disguise? Oh, I never would have guessed. Nah. But the immediate reaction to just hearing their father's voice being like, here's what I want to do. Yeah, I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to actually corroborate with, this, with you on this. Like, you've just heard all of the stuff from your father being like, you should go here and do this. Mm. Now you should, now him doing the exact same thing again of, I know what I'm doing, but I need you guys to do this. Yes. Dean's like, sure. Sounds like, no. Yeah. Um, I actually have put here, this is one of my favourite episodes. John, you're an absolute worst father ever. Hmm. Uh, the look on Dean's face when he gets the phone handed to him well he takes it off of Sam and he he goes from you know like worried son immediately into I'm a good little soldier and I'm definitely going to do what you say yes sir that's yeah that's not whereas Sam's just sitting over there on the bed you know like pissed off that's just a show of how different their upbringings were because Sam was able to get out of that life younger because Dean was there on his side like a sidekick, like a like a dark monster killing Robin. Well, yeah, I think that because Dean took on so much responsibility when he was younger and Sam had that, you know, little bit of innocence left in his childhood before he actually had to do the whole hunting of the monsters thing, before he got out and went to college, I think that Dean took on a little bit more of that soldier role than Sam did. Yeah. Um, but just the way that he instantly goes from dad we're worried about you to oh yes sir absolutely yeah even saying it like that yes sir yeah not healthy not okay no but it's not as like I know you probably sided with Dean just being able to go along with what John said, or were you? With... Oh no, I was way with Sam on this one. For finally, because I never, th- I never thought you'd no. be agreeing with what Sam was doing. I mean, halfway through the season, I seemed to warm up to the boy. <laughs> no, what? I. It's I like absolutely... the char- it's like the character development's working. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I absolutely. I was with Sam on this one. You know, if you get a call from your father, who you've been looking for, who you know is looking for the demon monster thing and a way to kill it, you know, and then mm, yeah. he's like. Now I'm going to go send you on a wild goose chase to go and do something completely different whilst I'm dealing with this because you guys... You know, he doesn't give a reason as to why they can't come and join him. Yeah, it's very easy for them to just assume, oh, you guys aren't ready and I don't want you to endanger. Yes. But, like... Whereas Sam's like, I am ready. Kill Jess. I want to murder this thing. Kill... Yeah. So... I can't really hate on him. Although... This is one of my probably favourite episodes of season one. I still think that, you know, yeah, there was, there was a lot that could be done uh, with the whole Sam, Dean, John situation. Yeah. The fact that that phone call then immediately set into motion the boys breaking up the band. For a while. Um, for a bit-ish. For like half the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it finally, it was the last straw Yeah. that broke them. Because Dean was so like, yes, this is what Dad wants us to do. We should go do it. We'll go do this. He'll do that. And then, you know, everything will be great. And Sam's like, no, we need to go to Dad to help him in this mission that has basically been our entire lives. Yeah, this is this is his life's work. This is his life now. Because yeah. his actual life was taken away from him. Yes. 
So I, I am with Sam on this one, although the fact that he he leaves Dean when Dean is going on the hunt annoys me a little bit because after what everything that they've seen in the past like 10 episodes Sam's like yeah I'm happy to just leave you to go and fight whatever it is on your own whilst I hitchhike my way to California badly yeah it just shows that they are stronger together which is why I feel that Sam is forced to come back because they do need each other yeah I wouldn't say forced okay why would you say forced he just like on the length of time that it took him to even just arrange that coach Dean had been able to like get himself into mortal danger with the other side of things with the case he was instructed to go on yeah but they'd never dealt with a pagan god before that, that, we're going to come to that that's such an interesting like monster to deal with but on their own Sam didn't have the drive that Dean gives him and on his own Dean didn't have the resourcefulness to not get himself to get himself out of that situation he didn't have the backup to get himself out of that situation oh god though no. he was like I'm working on a plan four hours later I still don't have a plan I don't even have a plan no but on Dean's side of the story we saw him dealing with a pagan god an actual apparition from old myth conjured up to bring these people prosperity mm-hmm. but dude you fogly Oh, that's one of my favourite lines. I legit have it written down, like, dude, you're fugly. One of my favourite lines. I love this line. If I could have it on a t-shirt, I'm sure that I can have it on a t-shirt. I'm pretty sure I've seen it on a t-shirt with the scarecrow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just need to find one. Yeah, it's, it's such similar. a classic line. Classic Dean line. Classic Dean. Boom. But, um... There's that whole thing of... Yeah, with the... This ancient primal force that takes like many rituals to deal with it as as much as to summon it's just such an interesting and unique thing that they've that they've been able to like take ownership in writing monsters for supernatural yes I mean I think we get a few more pagan gods later on down the line yeah a bunch um this one's setting off the whole storyline of the pagan gods you know oh we're here we got brought over from the old world blah 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 this that and the other um, but the fact that it comes out as a scarecrow oh yeah I mean I think all the other pagan gods we see are actual living like people yeah because this is this was an actual gods. more of like a godly spirit possessing something possessing uh, an market. object yeah. yeah it made it like so much more creepy because we like us Batman fans we know how creepy a scarecrow can be oh yes absolutely um this is the episode that I believe Dean's love for pie starts. Yeah, because he's in from he's in that family community and he just ate up all the pie. And he's like, I hope your apple pie is freaking worth it. And I'm like, you should know. You fall in love with pie after this. So with all of that sort of summed up pretty nicely and with the awareness that we've been chatting about Supernatural for well over an hour, I think we're going to put a little pin in this and come back into the second half of the season in another time. How do you feel about that? Yeah, great. Did not realise how much we would have to talk about and say. I mean, I know I had a lot of notes written down, but um, I kind of forgot that there would also be another person shouting things and that would make time go on a little bit faster. But I'm happy that we were able to get a nice healthy debate in. Just, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, lots of things to nicely talk about. So until next time, we're going to cover episodes 12 through 22 on a 
another episode coming maybe a few weeks after this one. But until then, I've been Adam. I've been Faye. You've been listening to Wayward Rewatch, a nice summary of Supernatural from the beginning. More to come. But until then, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Fantasy Universes podcast was created by Stephen Ray and Adam Ray, and this episode was produced by Adam Ray, also starring Faye Clark. Original music found on the Open Music Library and created by Professor Elemental and Tom Caruana, both of which can be found at tcrecords.com, T-E-A-S-E-A records.com. You can find more episodes of the Fantasy Universes podcast on our feed, and further episodes of Wayward Rewatch are coming soon. Thanks for listening.